0: and are committed to encouraging healthy, healing conversations about mental illness.
1: Episodes in this season are made possible by a grant from the Charles E. Kubli Foundation, which is dedicated to bettering the lives of those affected by depression. We are solely responsible for podcast content.
0: Hello, Bridget. Hi, Terry. It was so wonderful being in person with you and celebrating your daughter's wedding and happiness last week. Yay. I'm so grateful that she's thriving and that we got to be together.
1: I love being with you. and It was nice seeing your family too. To completely change uh, gears here, in looking for topics for this new season, we ran across a really interesting article by Harvard Medical School about the challenges suicide loss survivors face. So while acknowledging that grief is always difficult, it notes that a loss through suicide is like no other. And it listed several
0: circumstances that make the process of bereavement more challenging. So they include stigma, shame, and isolation. Quote, many religions condemn the act of suicide as a sin. So survivors may understandably be reluctant to acknowledge or disclose the circumstances of the death. But the article notes... The decision to keep the suicide a secret from outsiders or selected relatives can lead to isolation, confusion, and shame that may last for years or even generations. Think about that. Generations. Another factor is mixed emotions. The
1: article says, after a homicide, survivors can direct their anger at the perpetrator. But in a suicide, the victim is the perpetrator. So there's a bewildering clash of emotions. On one hand, a person who dies by suicide may appear to be a victim of mental illness or intolerable circumstances. On the other, it says, the act may seem like an assault on or rejection of those left behind.
0: And what if questions. Mm -hmm. What if we'd gone to the doctor sooner? What if I'd stayed home that night? Quote, after a suicide, these questions may be extreme and self-punishing. Unrealistically condemning the survivor, for failing to predict the death or to have successfully intervened. Mm-hmm. The Harvard researchers note, in such circumstances, survivors tend to greatly overestimate their own contributing role and their ability to affect the outcome. In journalism, which is my field of study, we were taught to answer
1: the who, what, when, where, and why in our stories. With suicide, the what, when, and where are usually painfully obvious. It's the whys that can keep us stuck and spinning for years. Today's guest, Sebastian Sloven, went on a global quest to not just explore the reasons, the whys, but also the who. Who really was this man who took his own life? The man Sebastian knew as his father. Sebastian's early life was picture
0: perfect.
2: I was very fortunate to grow up in, a, in an affluent suburb of San Diego called La Jolla, you know, coastal community. And as a young boy, I really felt like I had it all. My dad, uh, kind of a hero of a dad, you know, he was this you know legendary swimmer, uh, successful businessman. You know, my mom was awesome and had a little sister and, you know, kind of the ideal upbringing.
1: Ideal until it wasn't.
2: You know, while everything seems sort of perfect on the outside, you know, behind the scenes, my dad was was struggling with depression and um, a number of things. And eventually um, this got so much that he took his own life when I was six, uh, leaving, you know, my mom and sister and I kind of in the emotional wake of it and also in you know, pretty bad financial shape. And, you know, that completely changed you know, obviously it changed our family dynamic, but changed my life. You know, I felt like everything was, you know, turned upside down and, and I really struggled to, uh, to process what had happened. And, and as I got older, uh, that for me looked like a lot of, um, isolation and, and doing whatever I could to not, you know, feel or, you know, talk about my dad or his death. And it got kind of worse and worse as I went through my teens Self medicating and um, just doing what, you know, distracting myself, doing whatever I could. And, and, and I got to the point where I, I was struggling myself with depression, you know, was never diagnosed, but, you know, was certainly in a very, very dark time in my, my teens and considered suicide myself.
1: So at about 17, Sebastian, who says he was struggling with lots of things, including school, took some time to travel as a professional bodyboarder. He made a trip to Perth, Australia, the town where his father died, and stayed with one of his father's close friends.
2: I knew the topic of my dad would probably come up, and we, uh, the first day, you know, when I, I arrived, he invited me to go out on this walk around the neighborhood, and and um, you know, after a few minutes of small talk, he he just kind of jumps into it. He's like, you know, your, your dad meant so much to me and to my family, and you know, he's such a dear friend, and kind of sharing his experience of. of Dealing with the loss, and and I was just sort of like, you know, I didn't say anything. I was just super super tense, and I, yeah, I feel my heart racing and all this stuff. And I was like, I'm gonna. What do I do? You know, how do I how do I get out of this without talking about it? And
1: <laughs> and then the conversation shifted and became what Sebastian calls a major turning point in his life and recovery.
2: Then he he goes on to share that that his dad had taken his own life when he was a boy. You know, he was I think 12 years old and um he described like you know a lot of the same things that i had been going through he you know he shared how he didn't talk about it for many years and how that you know, he wished he had started to process this sooner and i and because of the stigma and the shame i never really i never talked about it or never felt like i could talk about it and yeah it wasn't until someone who had been through this before and come out the other side that was like oh my god this is it doesn't have to be my fate to do what my dad did and um there are other options for me, and there's a lot of other people who have been through this and have come out the other side and kind of after he, he shared, i I felt not only that I could share but I wanted to share like I was like I became aware of how much I was holding on to that I maybe didn't need to, and it was this incredible
1: opportunity Sebastian seized that opportunity. On his way home, he made a list of his father's friends, business partners, people he'd grown up with, about 40 in all, in six or seven countries. And then he started talking with or visiting them in what is poetically described as a pilgrimage that led him around the world and eventually back to himself.
2: I think initially it was, you know, I want to know how someone who had it all could do this or, you know, give me, I I didn't have the whole picture. A lot of these conversations were full of tears on my end and, and sometimes anger and, and um, a lot of different stuff. And it was it was kind of with each one, I kind of like my capacity to feel grew.
1: So the questions, were you saying, tell me about my father? Were you saying, do you have a deeper understanding of, of how his life could have ended this way? I mean, I, I do interviews and, and I don't know how I would do those.
2: Mm. Yeah, and I think it it sort of varied depending on who I was talking to. I would often ask what they saw, you know, what what they saw were his strengths, and I was also curious about like what his maybe his like shadow side or, or what they saw as maybe some of his weaknesses. And I was also very interested in, in like in hearing how that his his death impacted them and how they processed it and what they like years later what they um, what they made of it.
1: While Sebastian started his intense personal journey trying to avoid following in his father's fatal footsteps, he ended up learning lessons that helped him live an examined life.
2: The the, the big lessons were how to live well and how to, you know, um, how to thrive.
1: So does, yeah. does understanding your father more as a whole human being with frailties and vulnerabilities and pain and failings in addition to successes, um, help you understand it more? Or did that all become less important as you realized there was just a better or more balanced way to live a life that maybe didn't rely so much on identifying with those successes?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's certainly part of it. Uh, I think, you know, he was the epitome of the, the, the man who had it all together. I think it weighed on him to try and keep, you know, the things that weren't going so well uh, under wraps. It was clear that a major part of his identity or his value, self value, was in things external to him. So, is the amount of money he made, his you know his physical appearance, his his physical ability with swimming, his kind of status in society. It became clear that when those things started to fade, you know he was getting older and slowing down physically. When those things started to fade, he really there wasn't really much fall back on that way you know all his sense of self was in, in those things
1: when we repeatedly say that speaking openly about mental health can save lives we don't mean it in some fluffy abstract way many times you won't know the impact your conversation has had other times you most certainly will because sebastian's father's friend shared his story of loss struggle and recovery sebastian is now willing and able to do the same so one day, when a friend of his, who did not know of his childhood loss, got a phone call that her father had just attempted suicide but had been stopped by her brother, the two of them raced to the house. Sebastian offered to talk to the man, who he had never even met. The man agreed.
2: It was just wild to be in the situation. And I remember as I'm walking into this room, to the bedroom, I had this really clear sense this deep sense that this is an opportunity to talk to my dad Mm. if he didn't die
0: oh
1: that's surreal
2: yeah it was and i I, i'll never forget this feeling it was like i had total clarity you know or or there wasn't like any stress or Mm -hmm. anxiety around it it was Mm -hmm. like this is an incredible gift right here and um I go into this room and, you know, it's dark and and the energy is intense, you know, the the curtains are shut and, you know, he's kind of in bed with covers up and he's just kind of staring blank at the the ceiling. And I sit down next to him and just sort of start to share about my experience losing my dad and and not to make him feel bad or, you know, but just kind of sharing like, you know, I have a sense of what pressure you're under, like knowing my dad's story. And then he just starts to open up and share back to me and we go back and forth for, for a while. And, you know, I think what we came to, you know, what I came to kind of explain to him, I guess in short was like, you know, there's a lot of factors going on, but I would much rather have a dad around who is maybe in his own mind, a failure or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, he, there was a lot of comparing to other people and competition and financial stuff and all sorts of things. You know, at the end of the day, I just, I would you know, do anything to just have a dad around. And uh, there's you know, just, like, tremendous value in you being just around and breathing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was, it was like nothing new to him, I don't think, but it was, I think, having the conversation was definitely a helpful reminder and a helpful thing for both of us. And he, you know, shortly after that was like, okay, you know, what do we have to do? And, you know, we took care of kind of the, the, the necessary steps, like get him into a hospital, get him treatment you know, seeing professionals and all that, and I I was able to go with him to the hospital.
1: The exact hospital where Sebastian's father had died. Sebastian visited the man from time to time as he recovered and reports he's now doing well and that the two of them are still connected today. It's like emotional healing dominoes. The first story shared leads to others, and they all lead to understanding that we are not alone that there is always hope and the chance that our situation will change, and that any one of us can be a catalyst for that change if we are willing to listen to and respect a person's struggle and be there for them until the storm or the crisis
0: passes. Wow. Emotional healing dominoes. Indeed. Just the idea that he
1: was there when that call came in and had had such a similar experience, or his father had had such a similar experience and was able to be so present for that man in his darkest moment and get him through it, help him get through
0: it. It's just, uh, when he was telling me that story, I literally had chills. Yeah, goosebumps to be sure. Mm-hmm. Sebastian makes a really important point that everyone grieves in their own way and in their own time. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think that's just one more layer of shame and isolation and judgment when people feel like others expect them to be over it or process it somehow differently. Mm -hmm. It's just they're left with dealing with such a complex uh, cocktail, if you will, of... um, heavy, hard emotion. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just so much. It's so, you know, it's so much. And yet he chose to embark on that global journey of learning. He chose to write about it so that the lessons of hope and healing could reach even more people. Mm -hmm. His memoir is called Ashes in the Ocean. And it's described as a powerful story about facing one's fears and choosing a different path. Ooh, that's so good.
1: And Ashes in the Ocean is a reference to having scattered his father's ashes. Ah. So, wow, lots there to think about. Yep. And a huge thanks to Sebastian for all of the hard work you did and for distilling it into some really important lessons for us to read or hear from you. So we're very, very
0: grateful for that. Thank you, Sebastian. And thank you, Bridge. Bye, Terry. We hope that these shared stories bring out a little more understanding or help people articulate their experiences of depression a little more clearly or more freely.